0: Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge.
1: It is another beautiful day and welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. We are so happy to have you on our number 36 show and keeping on a wonderful ride here. We want to give a big shout out. Really appreciate our international audience in the U.S., Germany, China and other countries. It's just wonderful that we have such a, a, a diverse group of people that listen to this program. And Keep in mind that this podcast you can listen to on various platforms including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Any questions come up on any of our prior programs about any tax issues or even what we're talking about today and selling businesses, you can email success at cashtracksfinancial.com. You can give me a call. We can have a free mutual exploration session to help you out. That's at 844-394-4287. Today, we're going to jump into a little, little bit of actually a very important topic for small business owners or business owners of any type, and that's about looking to sell a business, understand what you have, and do it right. This is, can cost you millions of dollars if you don't do this right. And what We have today, I'm just so excited to have Michelle Seiler-Tucker the founder and CEO of Syler Tucker Incorporated. She holds a Mergers and Acquisitions Mastery Intermediary. That's an M and AMI. That's a title as well as the Certified Mergers and Acquisitions Professional, which is a CP and AP, as well as a Certified Senior Business Analyst, a CSBA. A lot of titles, but hey, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. Michelle owns many other businesses, several different industries, a 20-year veteran in the mergers and acquisitions industry, regarded as a leading authority when it comes to buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses, her and her firm located in Louisiana, uh, so that, that, that tells you right there, she knows what she's doing, has sold over a thousand businesses in almost every vertical, so it's very exciting to talk about her latest book, uh, Exit Rich, and we really appreciate and welcome you being here today, Michelle, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Yeah, we're excited. We're of course broadcasting on Facebook Live during this program as well. So, uh, and of course, this is the if you're listening on the live type, you can always uh, email me success at cashtraxfinancial dot com, and uh, we can uh, try to answer it during the program. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mergers and acquisitions industry, please, Michelle.
0: Sure. So, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been interested in entrepreneurship, even as a as a little girl. I always tell my mom that I wasn't going to go to work for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've owned many different businesses and different verticals. I did um, end up uh, breaking my promise to my mom and going Uh-oh. to work for Corporate America. Xerox actually recruited me. So, I went into uh, high-volume sales at Xerox and within six months was promoted to regional vice president, Mm over 100 100, um, salespeople. And then I learned very quickly that I don't like management in a Fortune 500 corporation because you don't get anything done. (laughs) (laughs) So, I ended up transitioning out of Xerox and started my own franchise development consulting and sales company. And I was equity partner with different franchisors, but I had so many existing buyers, you know, private equity groups and strategists that kept coming to me and asking me for existing businesses, uh, because I was pretty well known in the franchise industry. But I kept saying no, we don't do that, we don't sell existing businesses. And all <laughs> of a sudden, I'm like, why am I saying no? I should be saying yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, definitely. So that's really what led me to open up, you know, to start my mergers and acquisitions firm a little over 20 years ago, thousand transactions ago. And um, it's basically because I was listening to what the clients say and the clients are like, we want existing businesses. And so I I also learned a long time ago that what Steve Forbes says is so true that 80% of businesses on the market will never sell. 80%. That really should. That's amazing, right, Marcelino? Mm -hmm, That really should be like a wake up call, like a slap in the face to business Mm -hmm. owners because you have less than a 20% chance of success. And so then I learned a long time ago if I don't fix these businesses, if I don't grow them, if I don't tweak them, Mm -hmm. I'm going to starve to death. (laughs) (laughs) So I really started a long time ago. You know, helping business owners build the proper infrastructure, helping them fix their business, grow their business, put them on a build-to-sell uh, plan. And um, that's when I really became an expert in buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we partner with business owners and investing, you know, my capital, resources, mm-hmm. core competencies in which to fix their business, grow their business, and put them on a build-to-sell plan. So, like I said, we don't just sell businesses. We buy, sell, fix, grow. That, those are our core competencies. Wow,
1: that's quite a background. Certainly, I uh, can appreciate your point about uh, Fortune 500 company. Many years ago, I used to work for Pizza Hut, a corporate store, and uh. anyway, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was not good trying to be a manager and them expecting miracles in a little town where I lived at the time. So, anyway. So, you yeah. wrote your next book, Exit Rich, the second book, Selling Businesses. Why did you see feel it was important to write this book?
0: Yeah, Exit Rich is actually my third book um, that I wrote. But the reason why I thought it was so important is because I've been noticing everywhere, all across America, the businesses are closing. Mm-hmm. You know, businesses are going out of business. And when I wrote my very first book in 2013, Sell Your Business for Morning Sworth, I did the research and learned that 90% of all startups would fail within the first one to five years. Mm-hmm. That's all common knowledge. We know that. But then when I really started doing the research for Exit Rich to try to educate myself on why so many businesses are going out of business, I was flabbergasted to learn that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. Now, it's mm-hmm. only 30% of startups will go out of business, only 30%. So, this is a great time for a startup mm-hmm. nation to start your companies. However, here's the startling part. Out of 27.6 million companies… Those businesses that have been in business for 10 years or longer, Mm -hmm. 70% of them will go out of business. 70%. Mm -hmm. It used to be that you could be in business 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you're golden. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in business forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we hear about the public companies all the time in the media. Toys R Us in business 75 years goes out of business. Mm Kmart, Steinmark. You know, JCPenney's was having trouble. um, Mm -hmm. Godiva Chocolate closing down 1,500 locations. GNC closing down 900 locations. Disney stores are going out of business. But Mm -hmm. the media only talks about the public company, they don't talk about the private businesses. Mm -hmm. And these private Mm -hmm. business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies Mm -hmm. on the dollar, closing their business, or even worse, filing bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wrote Exit Rich, because Exit Rich is not just about selling your business. It's actually about planning your exit from the beginning and building a sellable asset, building a company that buyers will, will um, pay top dollar for that you mm-hmm. can maximize value on. And that's why 80% of businesses don't sell is because the business owner, most entrepreneurs have created a glorified job and which they go to work at every day versus a business that works for them. Buyers mm-hmm. aren't buying jobs. Buyers are buying businesses. And then also business owners never think about their exit strategy. Until mm-hmm. a catastrophic event occurs, whether that's internal or external. You know, internal is health issues, partners' disputes, divorce, death. External mm-hmm. is this pandemic we're in. The first time to sell your business is during a catastrophe. You yes. want to sell your business when it's in its prime, when it's doing really, really well. That's when you sell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and I really appreciated that point uh, in your book about about what you're just talking about because it is so important to, to plan going out. That's one of the things that we work on here is helping ones to plan plan for their taxes, of course, more so, but still principles are the same. You got to get some some planning in there and going. So, right. so let's uh, then talk about the different types of businesses as well as why it's important to know what type of business you have. It seems like a, an unusual question. Business owners, they should know what type of business they have, but <laughs> how, how do you expand on that?
0: Well, you know, it does sound like a common sense question, right? But common sense... It's not as common as it once was. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, in my I book, I totally. talk about
0: the seven types of businesses and to know which one you own. And you can also go to SilerTuckerAcademy.com, mm-hmm. Academy.com, and you can take the quiz. What type of business do I own? So I'm not going to get into all seven, but you know, there's we talk about the the one woman, one man show business. This is Maybe a real estate broker that really doesn't have a business that doesn't have any agents. Or this could be a hairdresser that really doesn't have any stylist or even a dentist, per se. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a dentist that came to us, been in business 50 years, one dentist, Mm -hmm. three dental hygienists. The three dental hygienists, though, are his daughter's. Oh, my. <laughs> and so that's what I call the one woman, one man show, because they don't mm-hmm. really own a business. They own a job. And he mm-hmm. came to me to sell the business. I said, look, I can sell the business for you. However, we're not going to be able to maximize value. And the price tag, the purchase price is going to be contingent upon you and your daughter staying on for two to three mm-hmm. years. And he said, well, honey, we're not staying. I said, well, then, honey, you're not selling. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah any of these service type businesses too, like Mm -hmm. AC, electrical, plumbing, construction, Mm -hmm. et cetera. You know, if the business is really dependent upon you, then Mm -hmm. we really don't have a business that we can sell. Mm -hmm. So that's what I call the one woman, one man um, type business. Mm -hmm. And then I also have the dreamer category. The dreamer (laughs) category is, let's say, do you remember um, the movie called Field of Dreams? Mm,
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: Build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, and and this isn't as prevalent as it used to be, but a lot of people would want to leave, you know, corporate America, leave their job, and start a business. Let's uh, say so they're passionate about a, a coffee, uh, a, a coffee store, you know, and they would go out and start a coffee store. Well, the problem is. They're not an entrepreneur. They've never owned their own business before. They don't really do their due diligence. They don't realize that there's 10 other coffee shops in the Mm -hmm. same block. (laughs) And that's what I call the dreamer mentality because Mm -hmm. they think, well, if I build it, they will come. Well, Mm -hmm. that's not the case in business. And they Mm -hmm. they might come to you in the beginning because consumers always want to try things that are new. Mm -hmm. But if you don't provide excellent service, if you don't Mm -hmm. run on all six cylinders, what we call all six Ps Mm -hmm. and exit rich, then they're not going to continue to come back. You know, so those are the dreamer businesses because there's no such thing as build it and they will come. Build it and be prepared to have a lot of working capital and -hmm. be prepared to market, market, market like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have what we call the small type businesses where these are the restaurants and, you know, ice cream stores and coffee shops and dry cleaners and things like that, where they might have three to, to 10 employees but the business is still very dependent upon the owner. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other type of business, um, that business owner's own, is what we call middle market, the larger type businesses where they have 50, 100, a couple hundred employees.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are, those are more diverse, they're not just just the owners, they they build up and they expand and so on. So, right. Yeah, and that's, that's a, it's good to understand. I really appreciate you explaining about the different types of businesses. And it's in, when we talk about business and you talk about ones going out and starting, I always sit here and think, yeah, they went and started the business, but that they talk to their tax person before they started their business? That's a part of starting, everybody's talking about going out and starting a business too, which is mm-hmm. most often overlooked as well, <laughs> in, in addition to the items you mentioned. That's one of the yeah. things I talk about a lot is that you got to talk to your tax person more so than your banker or your attorney, because that's so many wrong entities I've seen mm-hmm. when starting a business. So
0: now yeah. let's go you gotta into to get the all your step. ducks in a row.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how about the type of businesses or the biggest mistakes you see business owners make there? What are what are those?
0: So one of the biggest mistakes that, that I see business owners make is what I mentioned earlier, and this mm-hmm. is why 80% of businesses don't sell is because business owners don't plan their exit strategy.
2: Mm-hmm. They
0: don't think about selling until a catastrophic event occurs or the business is not doing well or like, you know, I get calls all the time where <laughs> business <laughs> owners are They'll say Michelle, I just can't take it anymore. I can't take the employees anymore. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and yeah. so those and so business owners don't think about selling. They don't build a sellable asset, mm-hmm. and you know they've never had their business evaluated. So the one thing that we talk about in exit rich is what we call the STGPS exit model, mm-hmm. and the exit model is like Stephen Covey says: plant start with the end in mind. And mm-hmm. so the GPS exit model is all about creating. Your exit plan now, you know, rather Mm -hmm. starting your business, buying a business, or even if you've been in business 10, 15, 20 years and you don't have an exit plan, you need to start your exit plan now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's called the GPS exit model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can walk through that if you like, or I can walk through the other biggest mistake business owners make is that they don't build the solid infrastructure. They don't build a foundation. Mm-hmm. Many business owners are focused on sales, sales, sales. But, you know, if you don't build that solid foundation and you just focus on sales, your mm-hmm. empire is going to come crushing down around you because you don't have the infrastructure to support the growth.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And that's, that's something I've seen with new businesses starting in my area is that, is that all this great stuff, but then, yeah, they, they're, they like expand and while well, they come and they start, and then it's just yeah. like, they're just not prepared for that, inf- that, that initial influx that they're going to have because of the, just people coming in. So they're not given the good service there, right. which is very important from the beginning. And then of course, adding into that, well, maybe we're going to sell later, but then They're not thinking about that. They're just thinking about getting everything up and running there. So then the exit strategy that you mentioned, your STGPS exit model there, maybe we can just run through that each of these steps a little bit real quickly just to help the listeners to to see why why it's important to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think the listeners should follow along and and do this as we go. So we call this the STGPS exit model. So number one, when you want to drive somewhere, Marcelino, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You pull out your phone. You know, we used to pull out our maps. Now we pull out our phone. Actually, I still do. Oh, you see? Now you're the second person that told me that because I was (laughs) on another podcast and with a gentleman, he said, Michelle, I still use old-fashioned maps. All right, let's just pretend that you're like with the rest (laughs) of us and you pull out your phone and you go to Google Maps and you go to Google Maps and what's the first thing you have to plug in?
1: Oh, your destination. You have to plug in your
0: destination. And if you don't Mm -hmm. plug in your destination, what happens? Where do you go?
1: Nowhere, essentially.
0: (laughs) Nowhere. And that's what happens to business owners, right? Business Mm -hmm. owners don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Most business owners don't have a destination. Mm -hmm. So they're going nowhere or they're driving around in circles or they're driving up and down the financial hills to end up exiting poor. So the first step in a GPS exit model is to figure out what is your destination? Mm-hmm. What is your end game? What is your desired sales price? And Marcelino, everybody gets hung up on a number. I'm like, just pick a number. You can adjust it along the way. So mm-hmm. let's say you want to sell your business for $10 million. Great. We have a number. $10 million. What does a GPS exit model need to know next?
1: Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Your, your,
0: your start. Where you're starting from.
1: Where you're starting from. Yeah. What is your current
0: location? In other words, Mm -hmm. what is your current evaluation? What is your business worth today? And Mm -hmm. most business owners have never gotten a business evaluation. I talked to a gentleman the other day, been in business 40 years, never had his business evaluated. Now, Mm -hmm. you're the tax guy, Marcelino. You know that business, your business is really Mm -hmm. your most valuable asset. It's shocking Mm -hmm. to me. It's financial suicide. You know, we go Mm -hmm. to the doctor once a year to get a physical annual checkup to make sure our heart's still ticking and we're still kicking. We drive our car to the mechanic to -hmm. get an annual tune-up. But we don't take our most valuable possession, Mm our valuable asset, which is our business, and we don't get an annual valuation checkup. That is Mm -hmm. financial suicide because there are events and increased valuations. Nor even to a decrease valuation. This oh, is this, yes. this pandemic is a perfect example of that. So you need to know what your business is worth every year. So let's say you want to sell for $10 million, you're currently worth $2 million. Mm-hmm. Two million. The next step is time frame. What is your duration? When do you want to do this? And let's say you want to do it in 10 years. You want to sell for 10 million, you're worth two million, you want to do this in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Then you need to determine who your buyer's going oh, to yes. be. Now, mm-hmm. Marcelino, I say buyers and not buyer mm-hmm. because I always have clients that come to me and say, Michelle, I already had the buyer. I just need you to represent me with this one buyer. And I'm always like, no, I won't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I won't do it unless you let me market the business at the same time. And the reason Mm -hmm. for that is because I have to come in and I have to evaluate your business. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee your business is probably not operating on all six Ps, all six cylinders. So then Mm -hmm. we're going to have to tweak and strengthen your weakest Ps. Then we're going to have to clean your financial house and most businesses have a financial mess, you know, so we have to clean uh, that yes. up. Mm-hmm. And then we have to gather all the items and start a data room so that we can start due diligence. Yes. We, that's a tremendous amount of work to do for one buyer. You never want to put mm-hmm. all your eggs in one buyer's basket because oh, the never. likelihood of that buyer closing on the sale of your business is slim to none. You always want backup buyers plus mm-hmm. Marcelino. How can we ever, ever Maximize value on the sell of oh, your yeah. business if we can't create a bidding war because we have a party of one. So that's we exactly always, it. yep, we it. always need to be mm-hmm. able to create that bidding war, right? Yes, so exactly. You have to. Five types of buyers, Marcelino. Mm-hmm. There's five yes, uh, types. So if you want to sell your business for ten million, you need to know what types of buyers will be buying your business, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, 90- that's what I really appreciated about your book. You go in and talk about those buyers very, very nicely.
0: Yeah. There. And I'm going to skim through them real quickly because it's part of the GPS exit model, okay? Mm -hmm. So number one is first-time buyers. 90% of buyers are first-time buyers. They don't buy $10 million companies. They buy coffee shops and pizzerias and yogurt
2: Mm -hmm. um,
0: stores, dry cleaners, et cetera. The second type of buyer is turnaround specialists. They buy distressed assets. They don't buy $10 million companies. (laughs) The third type of buyer is pegs, private equity groups. Private Mm -hmm. equity groups buy two ways. They buy based on platforms and add-ons. A -hmm. platform is, let's say, they want to get into food manufacturing. They won't even consider your business unless unless it has at least three million dollars in EBITDA. EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Mm-hmm. But let's say they're already in the food manufacturing space and they already have that platform, then they'll look at add-ons. Mm-hmm. Add-ons that look at your business under a million dollars in EBITDA. The fourth type of buyer, the buyers that typically pay the highest multiple, mm-hmm. are strategics and competitors because they're they're buying synergies mm-hmm. that will help catapult their current business to the next level, such as patents, trademarks, mm-hmm. you know, um, contracts. And then the last type of buyer, are I call these storm chasers. <laughs> these are serial entrepreneurs and they chase the EBITDA. They're industry agnostic. So now that you know what types of buyers will be right for your $10 million company, mm-hmm. you have to reverse engineer your plan and you have to figure out, okay, well, if I want to sell for $10 million, what's my gross revenues, my COGS, my operating expenses, mm-hmm. most importantly, my EBITDA, where does my EBITDA need to land?
1: If you mm-hmm. want to sell for
0: $10 million, your EBITDA needs to be around $1.5 to $2 million, depending upon your synergies. Then the mm-hmm. next step is, what are those synergies? What are those characteristics that these buyers, these mm-hmm. peg strategists, competitors, what are they looking for? What will, you know, Inspire them to pay top dollar for your business mm-hmm. and outbid everyone else. So mm-hmm. then you build a suit. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you go into business. When someone starts a business, like here's my widget. Mm-hmm. Here's my ideal target market, and they build everything to meet their ideal target market specific criteria. Mm-hmm. Your business is your widget. <laughs> these <laughs> buyers are your target market. Mm-hmm. So you need to build your business to meet their mm-hmm. specific criteria. That way, when you're ready to sell, you'll have mm-hmm. a sellable asset. And you'll be able to maximize value and exit rich. The last step in this model, Marce- Marcelino, mm-hmm. is your why. Mm-hmm.
1: Why do you want to yeah. sell
0: for $10 million? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, everybody would.
0: So your why is going to be powerful enough. It's got to keep you motivated. It's got to keep you weathering all the financial storms. Mm-hmm. That's my friends is a GPS exit model.
1: Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Now, during that, you brought up about the EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization there. So so, are we saying here, I just want to kind of, are we saying here that the business uh, should be actually paying some taxes, especially if it's like a C corporation? I mean, I, I just want to try to get it, get a little clear on that. Yes, businesses yes, pay
0: taxes. Yeah, yes. should be. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> yeah. I know it seems like a weird question, but you got sometimes some business owners that are some some corporations, S corps, partnerships, or whatever, that are of course wanting to minimize the taxes they pay. Which
0: well, everybody uh, wants to minimize the tax they pay. That's why they have what we call add backs mm-hmm. and personal expenses non recurring because they're trying to. You know, decrease their tax liability as much as possible. That's why we look at adjusted. but when we normalize the financials and mm-hmm. look at the personal and non-recurring that that business owner is running through the company.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially if the business owner himself is one of the higher paid employees, like like the corporate officers, does that come into your calculations as well?
0: It, well, it depends. Uh, it does come into the calculations, but it depends. Is, does that owner need to stay? Mm -hmm. They're not going to stay for free, (laughs) yeah. You know, so if that owner is, if the business is still predicated on that owner, and that owner needs to stay with the business, then we're not going to add back that salary. But let's say it's husband and wife, and Mm -hmm. let's say um, they're making, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand each salary, and the wife does bookkeeping. Well, we could probably replace the wife for about thirty-five to forty thousand, right? Mm -hmm. So we will replace the the wife and just add back the difference. But we would mm. keep the husband's salary because he's not going to stay on for free, mm-hmm. and we would keep their benefits.
1: Yes. So as you look at your exit strategy here and the, the different buyers there, does uh, the the type of entity it is, whether it's an being taxed S corp, C corp, partnership, LLC, how do those come in and play, play and come into play with with the strategy there?
0: Well, so you ninety, you know, we work with a lot of different tax strategists. Um, you know, I've been working with a firm that is. CPAs and attorneys for a very long time, and I specialize. They they are CPAs and attorneys. They are both. <laughs> <laughs> and so they work to help decrease tax liability. Um, it just comes into play when you're trying to minimize taxes. So it really mm-hmm. depends upon what structure that corporation is. Mm-hmm. 98% of all sales are asset sales, not stock sales. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's yes. going to ask corporate C corp, they're going to start their own entity doing business as that company name in all likelihood. Now there are larger transactions that could typically be a stock sale only because there are so many proprietary assets that are not transferable. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. That, that, that's good to know. And actually when I have a couple of sales that I've dealt with or purchases I've dealt with, it's been asset purchases. Yeah. Instead of uh, stock purchases, because that creates other tax issues <laughs> when you're dealing with stock purchases and Usually, most buyers and sellers don't want to go there, so right. they just want to get rid of the assets there. So, uh, you brought up previously also about the ST6P method and how, you can, how a business owner can work on using that to maximize their profits when it comes to selling the business there. So, can, can we go ahead and learn what these are sure. and, then of course, why they're important?
0: So, the six P's are, are really everything. So, yes, they do maximize value, but they also allow you and help you to build a business that is sustainable, to build a business that is scalable, and when you're ready, you actually have a sellable asset. So, we'll go through the six P's, and I will incorporate the biggest mistakes that business owners make when we go through the six P's.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so I'll go two great. birds with one stone here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so please, please do that. that one of the biggest mistakes that business owners make is they work in their business, not on their business. They work in their business, not on their business. Mm-hmm. Many business owners have the mindset that if we want it done right, we have to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So they have
0: their finger in every pie. Well, those are all big mistakes. None of us are good at everything. Entrepreneurs really have to Identify their strengths, focus on their strengths and hire mm-hmm. their weaknesses.
2: Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurs
0: yeah. have to stop stop thinking that in order, you know, that you have to control everything. You will never grow unless you let go of the control.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, entrepreneurs true. need to work on their business.
1: Yeah. Delegating is important in a business. I can certainly see the value in that and where that would be absolutely essential for a business owner to succeed is that, yeah, you can't be everywhere <laughs> all the
0: time. No, because if you are, then you have a glorified job that you're working mm-hmm. yourself crazy in, right? So, people is the first P. You mm-hmm. don't build a business. You build people and people build the business. Mm-hmm. So, entrepreneurs have to hire, their, hire uh, focus on their strengths, hire their weaknesses, and make sure you put the right people in the, in the right seats, you mm-hmm. know, many times we have the right people, but we're trying to fit a square peg into our mound hole and make somebody something they're not. Yes. <laughs> so we really yeah. have to have clean, clear job descriptions and mm-hmm. make sure that we have the right people in the right seats and ask the who question. You know, who opens the door, or handles customer service, marketing, legal, accounting, mm-hmm. manufacturing, logistics, quality control, environmental, etc. The list goes on and on and on. The clue here is that you should never be next to the who (laughs) because we're trying to build the business to run without you. So, everybody should list all the who's in their business and assign Mm -hmm. names next to each who and make sure you also have that management team in place because if you're trying to sell Mm -hmm. a business for $10 million, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do that unless you have a solid management team in place.
1: And that's, of course, finding the superhero employees that, that will be there for you, which... The mistake oftentimes when it comes to people I see businesses make, and I'm thinking you'll agree with this, is that sometimes they, they're they they're wanting only to pay so much to have those people, but to get those people, you do got to be willing to pay a little bit more. But then if you got the right people and make the right selections, you're going to get the returns.
0: Yeah. But I've also seen the flip side of that. Okay. Where entrepreneurs pay a lot of money for the right people and they're trusting, but not verifying their their not inspecting what they expect and those mm-hmm. high paid people are playing <laughs> and not really working and not really, yeah. and not really, you know, producing results. So mm-hmm. you also got to make sure mm-hmm. that if you are paying, you know, to get those top notch people, that you're also inspecting what you expect trust, but verify, you know, mm-hmm. we had a, a company that we were selling and they were paying um, a COO, about a quarter of a million dollars a year. And the CO was also responsible for, I don't know if CO was the right title. It might not be CO. It might have been chief of marketing. I don't remember. But at any rate, they were also in charge of bringing in new clients. Mm
2: -hmm. Well,
0: they found out after having, you know, uh, systems in place on on their computers, on their devices, that this employee was playing all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) this employee was not working. (laughs) So you also Mm want to make sure that when you do, you know, put the right people in the right seats. You're also going to inspect what you expect. Trust but verify. Mm-hmm. I always say.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So
0: that's people. You know, you're not mm-hmm. really going to grow. A, you're not going to grow a business without people. So, the the second P is product. If you remember correctly, mm-hmm. earlier I said out of 27.6 million businesses, those businesses that have been in business 10 years or longer. 70 percent of them are going out of business.
2: Mm-hmm. The number
0: one reason for that is lack of aim. Aim is A I M. Always innovate and market. Business mm-hmm. owners stop innovating. They stop marketing. They become mm-hmm. complacent. Toys R Us, 75 years, did nothing different. Mm-hmm.
2: Blockbuster yes. had the
0: opportunity to buy Netflix twice. Oh,
2: really?
0: Twice. Uh, and sat back did nothing twice. So you have to innovate. Innovation is key. One of the mm-hmm. number one reasons that startups are not going out of business like they used to is because so many entrepreneurs are starting businesses to solve problems. They're not starting another coffee shop or another ice cream store. They're starting businesses that actually help solve problems. Mm-hmm. So the second P is product. That is your product, mm-hmm. your service, your industry. You have to ask mm-hmm. yourself, is on the way up or on the way out? Do, yes. you, have a, do you have an Amazon and you're in your mm-hmm. prime? And if so, that's oh, yeah. when you should be selling. Or do you have a blockbuster and you're about to go bust and about to go out of business? Mm -hmm. So, if you're about to go bust and go out of business, that doesn't mean you just pack up and go home. That means you align yourself with an expert. You get a mentor and you ask yourself these three transformational questions. Amazon did this back in the 90s. Ask yourself, what business are you in? Because Mm -hmm. the business you think you're in is probably not the business you should be in. Amazon said, we're in the book fulfillment business. We fulfill book orders. Mm -hmm. Second question, what is your core competencies? What do you do better than everyone else? What is your USP, your unique selling mm-hmm. proposition? And Amazon said, we do fulfillment better than anyone else. The third obvious question, Marcelino, is mm-hmm. what business should we be in? Should. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazon said, we should be in a fulfillment business, fulfilling, fulfilling orders for people all around the world. Those three transformational questions transformed Amazon from a small book fulfillment mm-hmm. center to a multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. These questions are transformational. Mm-hmm. In, wh- in order to grow, you have to get out of being transactional and mm-hmm. become transformational. So you That's can
1: That's the direction. Yeah. That's the direction I see even the tax preparation business going it's just with all the do-it-yourself options out there, the Mm -hmm. changes I've seen in 20 years of doing taxes, that's something I've tried to constantly work at doing is staying innovative, offering services that, like in my area, a lot of tax professionals don't do. And and I don't know if they ever will, because I will just call them old school tax professionals. Uh, but there's just a lot of things that I know I got to keep doing, which is why I've been transformational over the last year in particular in what I do in moving toward more of a planning because too many people are trusting software in the tax business instead of uh, a a trusted professional who can really walk them through these things. So I really see the value of what you're talking about, the product or service. You got to keep innovating, got to keep moving forward because old doing it the old way, it may have worked before, but it's not necessarily going to work going forward
0: so bottom line is you're either growing or dying Mm -hmm. there is no in between you're growing or dying (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so then the third p is processes you will never build a sustainable business that you can scale without processes Mm -hmm. processes are kind of like exit strategy business owners don't think about them until something bad in their business happens like oh my gosh we need a process for that (laughs) You need a process before mm-hmm. the bad things happen. So you really should design your processes from the beginning. But Marcelino, this is where most business owners get this wrong. Most business owners design processes around their own agenda, mm-hmm. around their own agenda. I'll give you an example. Doctor's offices. When are they open? What are they yeah, Usually
1: during the day, during normal business hours. There are I normal business hours mm-hmm. from
0: 9 to 5, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 9 to 5. If you, you we have to... Take off from work, or we have to leave our company, mm-hmm. and we should go see the doctor. Does the doctor design his hours around the patient schedules?
1: Usually, no, they don't.
0: Usually, never.
1: <laughs> yeah, never. Uh, actually, yeah, you're. I've never seen it. Come to think of it, yeah.
0: We have to start designing. We have to design our processes around the customer experience. Here's another place where your listeners should grab a pen and mm-hmm. paper and ask themselves. What do we want our clients to experience? What do we want our clients to experience? Come up with three things you want your clients to experience. This is what McDonald mm-hmm. McDonald's did in 1950s. Did you ever watch a movie, The Founder, based upon the McDonald's?
1: Uh, I, I've heard of it, but I don't believe I. Yeah, I don't okay. think I've seen it though.
0: I encourage everyone to watch that movie. is it's one of the best movies ever. So back in 1950s, the McDonald's brothers said, "We want to start a fast food restaurant because there wasn't any. Mm-hmm. We want to start a fast food system, a process designed around our customers' experience." And they asked themselves, "What do we want our customers to experience?" And they said, "We want our customers to experience great tasting food that's hot, mm-hmm. fast, thirty seconds or less." And Mm -hmm. even though those processes were designed back in 1950 and tweaked along the way, you can eat at McDonald's anywhere in the world and experience those three things. Yeah. Great tasting food, especially those French fries. I don't know what they put in those French fries, but they're addictive. (laughs) And the food is hot and it's delivered 30 seconds or less in most Mm -hmm. cases. They never said we're going to have superior customer service. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They never said the food is going to be healthy or good for you. Mm -hmm. So we really have to go back to the basics and ask ourselves, what do we want our customers to experience? If we don't create wow experiences for our clients, Mm -hmm. then our competitors will be happy to do it for us. That's why so many businesses lose market share because they stop asking their their clients, what do you need? What do you want? How can we make it easier for you to do business with us? The company that makes it easiest to do business with them is a company mm-hmm. that's winning Amazon winning mm-hmm. because they make it so easy to do business with you, with them. You can practically buy a horse on Amazon and have it delivered in two days. <laughs> so you, we got to go back to the basics and ask ourselves, what do we want our clients to experience? And if you don't know, start asking mm-hmm. your clients, start surveying your customers, what they want. So go back to the basics, design your process around your customer experience Make sure they're productive, efficient, and well-documented. A lot of business owners don't even have policy and procedure manuals. When you okay. go to sell that $10 million company, Marcelino, the first thing they're going to ask for, one of the first things is, let me see your employee handbooks. Let me see your non-competes. Let me see your policy and procedure manuals. Let me see your SOP checklist per department. So you got to well paper these processes. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It's ongoing. Processes never end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah.
1: they know. And they develop and they adjust and they change and that's we gotta systemize
0: and McDonald's, Burger King, Mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A, our business.
1: (laughs) This could be across any business, even service business. I I can see where these can apply even. Any
0: industry. Every industry has to have these processes, SOP Mm -hmm. checklist. Yep. All right. So the next P is proprietary. This is the highest value driver of any other P. These are proprietary assets. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a quick course in evaluation. You probably already know this because you're the tax guy. But businesses that have less than a million dollars in EBITDA, again, earnings Mm -hmm. before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, will typically trade for a multiple of one to three, three and a half times EBITDA. Depending upon these proprietary assets, we're about to talk about. Unless mm-hmm. you're a SaaS business, now lots of CPAs tell their clients that they're going to get a multiple of revenues. You're not getting a multiple of revenues unless you're a SaaS. You're not mm-hmm. getting a multiple of revenues. That's a multiple of EBITDA or SDE, but to sellers' discretionary earnings, net income. But it's not gross revenues. Mm-hmm. So businesses that have over a million dollars in EBITDA, this is the sweet spot. Because there are more buyers for good businesses than there are good businesses to buy. (laughs) So when you have over a million dollars in EBITDA, it typically starts at four, five, and up times Mm -hmm. EBITDA. So proprietary assets can take you from a five to seven to ten. There are six pillars here. So Mm -hmm. it's going to take me a little while to explain all six. Number one is branding. The more well-branded your company is, the more I can sell it for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumer. Meaning, is anyone paying any money for Blockbuster? Mm-hmm. Yes?
1: Yeah. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not the anymore. Most va- yeah.
0: The most valuable brand in the world is
1: what is it, Amazon or Apple or something like it's that? It's Apple,
0: the other A. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazon. Other A. Amazon's <laughs> in the top ten. But Apple's worth $359 billion. Billion. Wow. That's and Marcelino. That's just for the brand. That doesn't include mm-hmm. the EBITDA uh, uh, receivables. Doesn't include inventory, assets, real estate, anything else. That's just the brand. Build your brand. Just,
1: just that little apple there. Yeah. Apple sign that you see.
0: And then trademarks. So trademark your company name. Trademark your podcast. Your products. Your slogan. Here's the biggest mistake that business owners make. Remember, I told you I was just going to weave in mistakes mm-hmm. with the six Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest mistakes they make is they think of a company name. They go to GoDaddy, they get to .com. They're like, "Yes, I got my .com," and then they go open up. And then they go get a state trademark, but they never check the federal database to make sure that name is available federally.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or if you're going to do international business, you need to check internationally. Mm-hmm. So. I've seen business owners in business, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, all of a sudden receive a cease and desist letter and they have to stop using that company name. Yes, they hire attorneys. Yes, they throw a lot of money at it. In most cases, they're going to lose unless they can prove that they've had that company name before anyone else. Mm -hmm. But spend the $1,500 to $2,000, protect your company name, make sure you get a federal trademark on your podcast because you don't want to start the branding process all over again. It's very difficult to brand. And then your products. People forget about tra- getting federal trademarks in your products. Mm-hmm. We have a company that we're selling between 50 to $60 million. This company has 12 different products. Each product has a federal trademark. Each product has an exclusivity. One's exclusive to Walmart. One's exclusive to um, mm-hmm. Target. So trademark your products. Federal trademark, not just state trademarks, extremely important.
2: Mm-hmm. Patents.
0: If you got some brilliant inventions, get a patent on that. You know, yes. if you ever watch Shark Tank, every single shark mm-hmm. always asks every inventor the same question. Do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? So make sure you have a patent. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold a company for $18 million that wasn't making that much money, but they had 18 patents. So patents are extremely valuable. Contracts, marcellano contracts mm-hmm. are very valuable. Manufacturing, distribution, vendor, or with franchisees. Client contracts mm-hmm. are the most valuable of all, especially if you have a reoccurring model, if you have reoccurring um, revenue, Mm -hmm. a subscription model, but here's the mistake that business owners make with contracts. Remember how earlier Mm -hmm. I said 98% of all sales are asset sales. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, definitely.
0: I've never seen a business owner get this right. You need a two sentence transferability clause in your contract that says this contract is transferable upon the new entity. Because if your buyer is doing an asset sale, Mm-hmm. And let's say your clients don't agree to consent to transfer, then your mm-hmm. deal is going to fall dead in its tracks. Mm-hmm. Or let's say I, talk, I have a client that we're working with that has 2,000 clients, oh, yes. 2,000 contracts. They're not going to go after 2,000 clients and ask for consent to transfer. Because most business owners don't even want clients to know they're selling. <laughs> so we got to be proactive and get that language in there. And then databases is another huge synergy that buyers will pay mm-hmm. a lot of money for. Facebook paid nineteen billion dollars for WhatsApp.
1: Mm-hmm. How much yes. money was WhatsApp making? I, I'm not sure at the time, or if they were making any.
0: <laughs> not only were they making none, they were ah. hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging. But guess what they had, Marcelino? They had a synergy. A
2: client they Had base. a
0: synergy. They had a synergy that Facebook knew they could monetize an ROI. They had a billion users.
2: So mm-hmm. Facebook
0: ta- paid $19 billion for a billion users. So that's what we're talking about right now, are synergies. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one is celebrity endorsements. We have a client that has products with Oprah. Strategic will pay a lot of money for that because they want to get their products in front of the queen of everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Same yes. thing with
0: radio personalities. You know, um, Radio personalities and celebrities can only endorse one vertical at a time. You'll never see a celebrity endorse, you know, five different skincare companies or five different oh, yeah. diet companies. Mm-hmm. So, so so radio radio personalities are very, very valuable. We one mm-hmm. sort of skincare company that had some of the top radio personalities and top prime positions on radio. And guess what? Another skincare company can't bump them off. You can't get mm-hmm. that spot. That's what we call prime digital real estate. Mm-hmm. So, strategists will pay a lot of money for that. Same thing with my e-commerce businesses. Mm-hmm. If you're manufacturing pillows and you have the top three positions on Wafer or Amazon or Etsy or eBay, these are proprietary assets that will take your multiples and raise them. Plus… They will also help to create a bidding war because buyers are buying these synergies that will help catapult their current business to, to mm-hmm. the next level
1: yes definitely definitely how about the patrons now Off of the-
0: so what patrons are we- your customer or mm-hmm. your customer base and you probably already know this marcelino but most mm-hmm. businesses follow the 80 20 rule where 80 mm-hmm. percent of your revenue comes from 20 20 of your clients you lose a client mm-hmm. you're in big trouble You know, so a lot of customers have, a lot of business owners have customer concentration. We once sold an oil Mm -hmm. manufacturing business. They had 65 to 70% of their revenue tied up with BP. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: We appraised that business for $9.8 million. We have 550 buyers look at it. We narrowed down to 12 LOIs, a lot of intents. Mm -hmm. But each LOI had contingency language like earnouts, clawbacks, seller financing, et cetera, all contingent upon that BP contract. And my sellers, one, one, you know, there were partners and one was in their 80s. And he's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, if I sell this business, I'm done. And, you know, we're not going to lose BP, but buyers were concerned. So they want to mitigate their risk. And so we fortunately found the right buyer. You know, we found that needle in a haystack buyer that has similar products um, and services, and they have been mm-hmm. trying to get into BP for decades and they can never get their foot in the door. So mm-hmm. they're like, we don't care about customer concentration. We mm-hmm. just want the BP contract so we can get our <laughs> products in the door. So they outbid everybody else and they paid $15 million for 70% of the company, which was mm. 129% more than what the business appraised for.
1: Wow. That, and value that's why you need an advisor.
0: That's why you must hire an advisor to help mm-hmm. maximize value and create bidding wars on the sale of your company.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: the last P is profits. We're all in business to make money, mm-hmm. but, you know, I have clients that come to me all the time and say, Michelle, i got a profit problem. Like, no, you don't have a profit problem. Lack of profits is not the problem. I'm always like, no, you have a process issue. No, you have a people problem. Mm-hmm. Lack of profits is never the problem. It's a symptom of not operating on one of the other five Ps. Mm-hmm. Makes sense?
1: Yeah, that, that makes good sense because all the other Ps will, will affect that one. They will, will affect, affect profit. the profits. Everything Absolutely. else affects profit there. So,
0: so that, if if you are operating on all five cylinders,
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is almost foolproof. <laughs> <laughs> you will be profitable, I promise you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, makes simple simplifies that whole process really easy. Just get these in case, and then the last one takes care of itself essentially.
0: Right, a thousand percent, it.
1: exactly. There, so, so
0: that's geez. your infrastructure on the six Ps. You build you build your business on the six Ps. You will have a sustainable business that you can scale, and mm-hmm. when you're ready, you won't be part of the eighty percent of businesses that don't sell because mm-hmm. you will have a sellable asset.
1: And that's what we're trying to help ones today is have a sellable asset. And of course, set out that time frame as we've talked about earlier, plan, work on these areas and move forward there. So real, and uh, in the last few minutes here, there, can you just touch on uh, about the business life cycle for a little bit for us here?
0: Oh, I would love to. I love the business life cycle. <laughs> <laughs> so business life cycles follow the same life cycle as a human. Mm-hmm. When we are born, we're put into an incubator, right? hmm where do business ideas and concepts go in an incubator? Less than ninety-five percent of business concepts ever make it out of the incubator.
1: Oh uh, yeah, they you know that's true. They 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 have a lot of great ideas out there, but they kind of just float right there and never go they just beyond are that are point.
0: Are stuck in the incubator, right? Mm-hmm. So stuck. business ideas to get out of the incubator,
1: mm-hmm. as
0: humans to get mm-hmm. out of the incubator, we go out of the incubator to newborn phase. Mm-hmm. What is a newborn need? Do you have children, Marcelino? I'm,
1: uh, I do not have children, but I do know they have a lot of needs as an infant there.
0: <laughs> what do they need? They need a lot of money, and 20. they need 24-hour supervision. Mm-hmm. An infant business mm-hmm. needs the same thing, a tremendous amount of money and 24-hour supervision. So then I go from infant to toddler. Mm-hmm. Taller, at least they're walking, you know, talking, but... Have Just you ever heard of the terrible two, the terrible twos? Threes oh, I'm
1: um, I'm familiar with the terrible twos. A lot, a lot of friends I've, I've had described them to me multiple times, and I've I've seen a small version of them. I will say.
0: so. Taller businesses and taller taller mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. need still 24-hour supervision and a lot of money,
2: mm-hmm. and then they go Definitely. from taller
0: to teenagers. <laughs> and teenagers, yes, can feed themselves, they can take care of themselves, mm-hmm. but they enter those rebellious phase where they don't want to listen to anybody because they think they know it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they still need supervision, not as much, but they still yeah. need supervision and guidance. So does a so does a taller business, and they need A lot of money. Teenagers Mm -hmm. typically need more money. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so then you go from teenager to young adult. Now, this is where you're starting to figure it all out. You're Mm -hmm. self-sufficient. You don't need as much supervision. You don't need as much money. Mm -hmm. And then you go from adult to adult. And adult Mm -hmm. is when you're in your prime. Let Mm. me give you an example. Toys R Us 2015 did $11.5 billion in revenue. $11.5 billion in revenue. What happens after adult?
1: Oh, you start, then Then it starts declining down. There. starts
0: declining down, and you go to senior citizens. Yeah. And what business owners don't realize, Marcelino, is this going to mm-hmm. happen very quickly, quickly. in business. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. so much in humans, thank goodness, you know, mm-hmm. but it happens yeah. very quickly in business. Yeah. So, Toys R Us, 2015. billion in revenue. Wow. 2016, they enter senior citizen phase, and they file bankruptcy. Wow. What comes after senior citizen? Oh,
1: well, then you die. Then you die. (laughs) (laughs) We die, right? We die, businesses
0: die. Two years later in businesses, it can be very quick like that. Mm
1: -hmm. Two years later,
0: after doing $11.5 billion in revenue in 2015, Two years later, in 2017, Toys R Us dies. Yeah, not a slow and death, a very fast death. They yeah, close. Yeah. They close 1500 locations
1: mm-hmm. in
0: 35 countries, and wow. they completely die.
1: Exactly.
0: Now, in business, independent upon what you what you believe in religion, we have a rebirth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah,
0: Toys R Us is trying to rebirth itself, yeah. and they they're like, okay, we need to innovate. Well, you really mm-hmm. need to innovate before. Yeah. Uh, then I started four mm-hmm. stores, boutique stores,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but then okay. the pandemic happened and now all four stores are closed. So they died yeah. yet again. So that's mm-hmm. the life cycle of a business and a human.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And on that note, we're going to have to thank you, Michelle, so much for coming <laughs> in on our program today. We had a just a wonderful discussion and some topics we didn't even get to because this is such a broad topic on uh, talking about uh, selling a business and doing it right, getting through these processes. Even fabulous, Michelle, I just thank you so much. And maybe you'd come visit us again and touch on some of these areas we didn't, we didn't get into because this is such a hot topic and so important for uh, I would love to to come back.
0: Can we tell everyone what I can get exit rich?
1: uh, Yeah. Go real quick. Like, yeah.
0: Real quick. Like, okay. So exit rich, you got to go get exit rich. It was endorsed by Steve Forbes. Who says it's a My for entrepreneurs is I leave way too much money on the table. It's an ink original. It's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. It's a USA Today bestseller. Sharon Lecter is my co-author who wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And she is um, a CPA financial literacy expert as well. So Mm. you can go to exitrichbook.com if you live in the United States, $24.79 plus shipping. We'll Mm -hmm. email you the digital download. We'll ship the hardcover to your doorstep. We'll give Mm -hmm. you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club where you will get video content and documents to operate your business, sell your business, all for your review and download, sample LOIs, purchase agreements, all of that.
1: Okay, thank you so much and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week here on the tax answers advisor that's 9 a.m pacific each and every week on thursdays this is marcelino dodge here on the voice america business channel again thank you so much michelle
0: thank you thanks for having me exit thank you for listening to the tax answers advisor with host marcelino dodge We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time and 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.